0: need a website for your business, but not looking to break the bank for one, I've got you covered. Hi, it's me, Ashley M. Lyle, founder and CEO of Blackin and host of the Black Queens On Stage podcast. And yes, I also have a website business, Sites by Lyle. I can create a dynamic website for your business that will showcase your work, wow potential clients and close more sales. So contact me on my Instagram at Sites by Lyle to schedule your free, 30-minute evaluation so we can get you started on your new website. Welcome to the Black Queens on Stage podcast, presented by Black Literature and Art Queens Network, where we bring our queens to the stage. Welcome to the podcast where we honor and acknowledge Black women performers and discuss racial issues within Michigan performing venues. I'm Ashley M. Lyle, and today I am joined by an incredibly talented multidisciplinary artist. Get this. These are her art credits. She is a writer, a musician, dancer, choreographer, event coordinator, musical director, host, and DJ. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Please welcome Emily Rogers. Hi, Emily. How are you today?
1: Fantastic, Ashley. Thank you so much for having me on today.
0: Oh, God. You know, in right just, just as we were talking before I started recording, I was just, just in awe of you because I was so excited to know that you were the bassist of uh, Detroit Public Theater's production of Girlfriend. And then you told me that you were also the basis for their production of Hedwig. And I I, I just have to say, girl, you are so talented. So Thank talented.
1: So much. Well, it's amazing to find out that you also are a part of the theater, which is a relatively new experience for me, the theater. And it's been in a really exciting addition to my career, to be a part of theater and see the different world that you guys as actors and theater performers come from.
0: Yeah. It, it, and I, I, like, I could just talk with you forever about music and theater and just how well they, it just all syncs together. And I could just talk about that for, for hours with you. <laughs>
1: but we, yeah. I
0: want to keep this at an but hour. The
1: token, they are different worlds and I am so honored to now have, my scope as an artist broadened
0: mm-hmm. by
1: being a part of the production and seeing the tech and the, all the things that go into a theater production like Hedwig or girlfriend, you know, as, as an outsider that once upon a time just went to musicals, i never yeah. had been a part of them. I didn't know. Yeah. All the, you know, no, no one really like sees all of the work that, that goes into making that production so special. Hmm. Absolutely.
0: Well, let's get started with this this interview, shall we? Looking forward. So describe to me your style of artistry, since you are so multidisciplinary.
1: Hmm. Well, it's really rooted in m- music. Uh, I make music and I write songs. I've been doing it for as long as that I can remember. But I, you know, I was a oboe player in band. Hmm. In high school or in middle school, that was my first instrument. My mother made me take it. So I've been playing an instrument for a really long time, but then I discovered heavy metal, rock and roll, hip hop, and other things and wanted to branch out in musical direction. I fell in love with dance just after high school and was a backup dancer and wanted to be a fly girl for a really long time. Like dance is actually my strongest discipline, if you will. Mm. And the one I have the most, uh, I wouldn't say the most passion, but it just, I, when, when dance came into my life, I was young and it was fresh and I had never seen breakdancing before, like up close and personal, especially like the Detroit breakdancing. Oh my God. And it, I, it took over and I danced everything I did from grocery shopping to driving a car to uh, even sitting here on this interview, I'd be twitching dance, you know, so that led to dancing led to a lot of other things and eventually i picked up drums which helped me transition into bass but the root of it all is just playing music and once you make a song making the music is the easiest part to me because it just comes so naturally but what do you do with it after after you make it and so i've had to develop a lot of other skills like making flyers and graphic design just to promote a band, or a song, or uh, the music that I make. You know what I'm saying?
0: Mm-hmm. So, what encouraged you to pursue so many different art forms?
1: The fact that you have to have a widespread portfolio in order to make money. I live in mm-hmm. Detroit, so it's not like we're a mecca of we're a mecca of amazing music and artistry and talent. But work here is, you know, you got to pay bills, right? So, dancing allowed me to. I actually got a job doing like bar mitzvahs, weddings, being a host at parties, mm-hmm. and it was really lucrative. So that's, and that through that, being an MC at these very uh, amazing events gave me better confidence in talking to people and being on a stage. So it was really just to diversify my portfolio to make m- money. Mm-hmm. And then once you write a song, Or put a band together. There's so much other work outside of just coming together to jam, make the music. Then you got to record a CD. Then you got to book a show. So now I'm booking shows. Now I'm trying to manage. Yeah, it's again, it goes back to like the root of a love of music and then trying to make that be what puts food on your table.
0: Mm -hmm. Now, when you're preparing for each of your different art forms, do you have a common preparation process for each?
1: In today's time, no, because I've been doing it so long. I mean, yes, it, it would depend on the thing. Like, I'm, I'm very big on rehearsal. Like, I love rehearsal and making sure things are tight. But I have, each process is different. Like, if I'm going to write a song, that's a different process. And I'm exploring new ones all the time to evolve in my art and not get stagnant. Mm -hmm. Like right now we're in a pandemic, so a rehearsal or a jam session to create new music with with other people who play instruments isn't the way to go because of social distancing and that kind of deal and everybody's hunkering down and staying safe. So I just came up with this process where I've reached out to some of my favorite drummers and just asked them to send me a drum composition. Make it as weird as you want it to be. And in that way, now it'll pull something different out of me on Mm base. So that's just one process. If I were to curate an event and it's like a, a really big, important event, I would have a smaller event with the same thing and less people to work out the bugs. Mm-hmm. So I would book a smaller show that is the precursor for the bigger event so that we could work out the bugs and there's less surprises. And it's the, our first time performing. The big show is not our first time performing.
0: Okay. So speaking of event curating, what does an event curator do?
1: Well, so if hired by someone i do i take care of the entertainment mm-hmm. meaning i book the bands or they're specifically looking for my music and if my music isn't enough to fill the entire time then i book other things that are complementary it also a lot of times means making sure that you have a sound guy making sure that you have a stage making sure that you have all the right sound equipment monitors lighting everything about what you see the final product of the show, making sure all of those people are lined up, ready, that there's a budget for all of those things. And then if I'm actually wearing the hat of both the curator and the musician, that means that I have to get all the music together, make sure all the musicians have the music, set up rehearsals. I know the music, that I know the music myself better than anyone else so that practice runs smoothly. Yeah, so (laughs) everything from making sure that I have all of the equipment and people to run that equipment there at the event to the music is tight for the performance.
0: Now, let's talk about your songwriting for a little bit. Explain your your writing process for for each song. Like, where do you draw your inspiration from?
1: Wow. That's a loaded question. (laughs) Because I have so much influence in so many different genres, and I have so many ideas. It's a blessing and a challenge, if you will, mm-hmm. to rein me in. So I gave I, I I just stopped trying to rein myself in and be compliant with the things that other people saw in me and wanted me to be, mm. because people are drawn to me and to my art artistry. But at the same time, when someone's drawn to you, there's also an expectation. Oh, I like this song, so do more songs like this. That's I I don't know how to do that because and I have right now four active bands that Mm. some ideas don't fit in one thing, so I'll just create a new band that it fits in or a new project now because I'm bands are a little tricky. Trickier, Mm -hmm. I've learned a hard lesson about just you have to make sure that people are that people that you align yourself with that the vi- they are on the same path and that the vision is create shared value for everyone. Mm-hmm. So in songwriting, it depends on the like I come from a couple different places. One is I just write baselines that I bring to a group of people or like a whole composition, let's just say, but it's all written on bass, changes in everything. And I will call a drummer, a guitar player, maybe a percussionist, a vote, you know, it depends on if I write the lyrics or not, and then allow them to fill in the blanks. And as a writer in that way, because I don't play chords, like someone who writes from a gu- the standpoint of a guitar, mm-hmm. I dictate what chords a guitar player plays by the note I play next if that makes sense. I'm not playing a chord. I'm playing one note. But the note that follows it directs the guitar player and the chords and the things that he chooses
0: Mm -hmm. or she. Okay.
1: Where if I play with a singer-songwriter who comes with, similarly, a whole composition, they already have all the chords and I'm there to fill a role of the bridge between drums and their guitar and vocals. Okay. So... But if I write from, let's just say, because I make beats as well in Logic, I usually start with drums. Mm. I usually start with a, I make a crazy drum beat and then just see what bass line comes out of me and go from there.
0: So do you, do you go through rewrites when you're writing the music? Like how many rewrites do you go through?
1: It, it kind of depends. Sometimes... Like, a lot of the times with the beats, when it when I sit down to do it, I don't have any idea in mind. I just see what comes out of me. And I'll come back, and sometimes I'm like, I can't believe I made this thing. Mm-hmm. I'll come back and listen, and it's... And really, at that point, like, a lot of those... A lot of the beats are still children, if you will. Mm-hmm. I haven't taken them any further. But, like, the project that I'm just finished with right now, M-Fuse, it's a five-song EP. Um, that started out as... I had to put a band together. So I got hired to show a musician who was here in town from France the Detroit music culture. Mm -hmm. And because the event that I curated, he was a saxophone player and they wanted him to be a part of it. I just put a band together for a horn section because I needed him because they wanted him to be a part of this band. Well, I fell in love with it. During the band practice and listening back to the rehearsal, I fell in love with what we created. So I then... Said, let's work on these five songs. And at that point, it's not so much a rewrite, but a sculpting of the idea.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, let's talk about the instruments, the the various instruments that you play. So you mentioned the bass guitar, the drums, mm-hmm. oboe from high school. Yeah. Um, what other instruments do you play?
1: I dabble with things like percussion. I recently fell in love with sitar. I need new strings on it and. Mm. Uh, I'm learning how to tune it right now. It's actually quite a beast to tune. And theremin. Now what is I a theremin? I mess around with. I can, a theremin is a, ooh, how do I, to me, it looks like you're playing the air, but it is a frequency. So you are kind of playing the air around this rod that comes up and you change the pitch by how close or far away you are. And same with the volume of it. Yeah, it's a very interesting instrument and I absolutely am in love with it right now. It's uh you can't use it in every song. <laughs> but when you, when it is used it's fantastic and I've been practicing running it through like a pedal board and then I play enough keyboard. I know my way around a keyboard because I actually took college I took a music composition and theory in college mm-hmm. and they make so I know my way around a keyboard I know my way well enough to write mm, and okay. so I would say that I'm not an expert at any instrument by far I mean I know amazing 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 bass players I am more of a songwriter and bass is my main instrument and yes there's I feel like there's nothing I can't learn on the bass at this point mm-hmm. but my passion and my go-to all the time has been songwriting when I just pick up the bass and I say, I'm going to practice, I end up writing a song.
0: Okay. Now, you yourself, you have a beautiful bass guitar.
1: Ah, where, yes, I do.
0: Where it is, and it that was the first thing that struck me in the pictures that you sent me, the pictures in your uh, website that you sent me, uh, where the main part of the guitar is a giant leaf. And then the top of it where you uh, tune your strings is another part of a leaf. And, you call, and what is the name that you call this guitar? Her name is Biophilia. Okay. And what it, and, what inspired that name?
1: Um, it means a connection to the earth mm-hmm. and a connection to all living things. And so she, that bass reminds me of that in both playing it and sound and tone. And I won a contest so that base is my design I want a contest to design a base now I didn't just win a win a new base the contest was to design a base and to be honest when it first happened I was so in shock that I didn't call them back for a month because it was like getting a tattoo what do you do (laughs) it'd be easier if you just handed me a base you know what I'm saying so now you're telling me I gotta pull something out of my imagination well that's a big place I was actually gonna design one like a, a Chinese uh or an, what a, an Asian um, sword. mm, mm. <laughs> And then I was like, what kind of case is that going to fit in? <laughs> like axe, like a, almost like an ax, yeah. Or a fan. No, it was like an Asian fan. mm Ooh. Or a butterfly. Like I came up with all these ideas. But at the end, nature and what nature has allowed, had taught me personally, it was the closest thing to my heart was a leaf. mm mm-hmm. And so that was that. That, that was my design. And it, in doing that and in winning this contest and being able to design a bass from the ground up, I learned a lot about my instrument and have a new relationship with my bass as a result. Wow. And with bass guitar in general, like, yeah. And the company that designed it, I actually think they're onto something and will change the way that all guitars are made the neck of my guitar and all of the guitars that they make is on a 45 degree angle difference than other guitars. And they started out with, they came up with this idea for people who are handicapped or in a wheelchair who the neck is always, it's always falling down. And if you have to be seated, the neck of my bass is always in perfect playing position, whether I'm standing up or sitting down.
0: Well, let's talk about dance for a little bit. So, what dance forms are you trained in
1: to be honest none I taught myself everything I mean trained I've studied with some different uh, you know practiced and studied and I've been a backup dancer I think we opened up for 98 degrees back in the day like like did the I did the whole routine backup dancer thing for a really long time but hip-hop And Mm B-Girl is the root of my dancing, Mm -hmm. but I draw from everything. I have studied belly dancing. I was, I don't know, 20-something when I took ballet for the first time in a class full of (laughs) 13-year-olds. Eight-year-olds and 13-year-olds. I think I took tap, too. Um, And now I just draw from everything. Actually, crazy, funny story. Sean Blackman, who is an amazing Detroit artist who brings artists from all over the world Mm -hmm. to do performances. He has done his, his group is called in transit and he has featured everything from the music of China to the music of Africa, Armenia. Anyway, concert of colors. One year he brought all kinds of different dancers. My girl, Lisa, who does, what is the, when you stomp and step, it's a Spanish style of dancing. It's beautiful. And I'm sorry, I can't remember it. It's not tap dancing, but it's, uh, Spanish and the shoes are part of it and the sound that the shoes make are a part of it. I I don't know. I forget what it's called, but then they had a belly dancer. They had Papa Han, who's an amazing African dancer. And so they pulled up all these dancers in different songs. And when it got to my, they asked me to be a part of the show. And when it got to my part, when it got to calling me up on stage, he says, and welcome Emily Rogers and whatever dance style she does. (laughs) I am a maniac and I freak out and I get, uh, yeah. My friends have so many stories of being on the dance floor. And then once the button is pushed and there, Emily goes. (laughs) (laughs) My friends have countless stories of me just like, like, yeah, it's the most freedom I've ever felt in any discipline. I am no longer, it's like, so in the present, I'm so in the present because I'm so involved in the art of it Mm -hmm. that nothing else matters, but the Mm -hmm. dance.
0: Now, are you still actively dancing or choreographing both? Okay.
1: Um, Yes. Yes.
0: So um, Um, what does a rehearsal process look like when you're getting ready to perform either dancing or, or with your instrument? Oh,
1: the dance, uh, dancing now is more for myself. Um, Mm -hmm. and I do parties Like I dance, like to be honest, now I use it to, I jump around with kids and get the party going. So I teach kids how to, like, I go to people's parties and teach kids dances. Mm -hmm. I teach couples uh, dance they can do during their wedding. So I get hired a lot to come show you how to have an amazing wedding dance. If you're with the two of you, so you're not just gliding back and forth. You can do some spins and turns and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. The last Choreography I did was for my own music video, which I'm still working on editing. It was a synchronized swim video. And then I did one where I had a bunch of different dancers break dancers, tap dancers, African dancers, ballroom dancers. And I did the full loop of Belle Isle.
0: Mm, okay.
1: And it's going to switch to the, all these different dancers as you, if you were driving around Belle Isle and just saw a different dancer at every turn.
0: So then it'll, it'll uh, God, that reminds me of a Michael Jackson video.
1: Ooh, Which one? I'm trying to think. It, it just it just, it, it, just hit me. I'm actually getting ready to shoot a video in the next, uh, I mean, I'm working out the logistics now, and I'm going to reach out to my boy, Helene. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping he'll say yes. And I want, I'm going to have him actually choreograph a easy jet routine. Ooh. Yep. Okay. That's going to be the next thing I think that I want to learn, and I I've been meaning, I actually reached out last year and then lost track of the time to be able to do it, but that would be the next thing that I'd really want to dive into is JIT.
0: I mean, definitely, because that's that's such a, such a deep, deep, it has deep Detroit roots in it, you know? Exactly, and JIT. boy, does
1: it look awesome? <laughs> but yeah, like Breakdance and the robot, and I have a friend who can, when he ticks, It Mm -hmm. looks like there's a strobe light on them. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Okay. So those are the things that really got me. And I mean, now with YouTube, like I can learn, I can, I I sometimes just Google a belly dance video and I'll practice or I want to learn a routine. Like, yeah. For a while, my workout was the MC. I would get up every morning and do MC Hammer. You can't touch this. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. That is a morning wake up. So, like, stuff like that. If I play that song at a party, mm-hmm. then I ha- I teach all the kids how to do the typewriter and the all the dances, the 90s dances. Because, I mean, that's 90s is when people really danced. Right. And then sometimes we get hired as a crew to go out and do, like, I've been hired as, let's say, to go to a bar and be one of the thriller dancers. So when they drop thriller, I'm one of the zombies that pop out and we do the thriller routine.
0: Nice. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. I love it. (laughs) it.
1: Yeah, like weird, random things like that. (laughs) Or this last year, I got hired as a host to go to Miami and I got to do a party on a yacht. And every once in a while I get in front of people and I lead dances and I just make it up off the top of my head to whatever the song is and people follow along. It's almost like leading a glorified, fun aerobics. And that that actually led me to teaching aerobics for a long while. I taught at every like, I don't know, uh, like country clubs and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. country clubs and um, like Franklin Racquet Club. I used to teach aerobics at Birmingham Athletic Club. Just all this came from just dancing and being able to be in front of people and make up something to music on the spot.
0: Right. So now let let's talk about your DJing that you do as well. You you do a lot yeah. of stuff, lady. Okay. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So how do you prepare a song list for your DJing events?
1: Okay. <clears throat> so the de- most of the DJing events that I do are still those parties. Mm-hmm. And because I've been doing them so long, so there's two sides to me as a DJ. One is more, I'm an MC, but I also am a, and that's most of the time off of a playlist. I make a playlist. I know what to drop when to make people dance. I know what to play during dinner. I know... I just now after doing so many parties, you just read a crowd and you know when they're ready to dance, when they're ready to sit down. Um, And I do a lot of parties for different cultures. So a lot of Arabic parties, I do Indian parties, as well as Jewish parties. So now you have to know the culture as well, and know when to drop certain things when. Mm -hmm. But a lot of that is off of a playlist. And I know when to talk so that the music seems seamless. And the whole night is seamless. My job is to be a liaison between whatever's happening at your event and make it seem so smooth. So let's just say the caterer is late with dinner. Okay. That means you got to get people dancing for a little while. So they're not standing there hungry and annoyed. Right. So that side of DJing is not so much DJing. It's reading a crowd Mm -hmm. and I'm not there as far as a DJ in that way. I'm not there spinning what I want to hear or the things that I like. I'm there for the people and what they like. You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are songs that I play as a DJ at events that I honestly never want to listen to again. <laughs> like now if I will survive comes on in a restaurant, like I got to go outside for a minute. You got to pay me to listen to that. <laughs> but at a party, you'll never know. I don't like it. I am a, ha- I can get ham to it. <laughs> but i got to save it for that moment because I've just heard it too many times. You know what I'm saying? Gotcha. So, and there's are countless songs like that, that people love and you play at events. Now as a DJ, my DJ name is Roger that. Okay. <laughs> and I'm working and I do that off of monster go DJ. And I am working to transition more into that kind of a DJ where I get to spin what I love. Mm-hmm. It would honestly be a blend of everything from hip hop to Rock and roll to world music and especially world music and trip hop and dubstep. I, I listen to so much stuff. Like, and I just I I just found a whole collection of maybe three hundred CDs of Detroit artists that mm-hmm. I've collected over my time going to see people's shows. And for a while, I didn't unpack a bunch of suitcases because when you're moving around a lot and touring and doing all that stuff. Well, I've just recently unpacked all my music. And now one of the mixes I'm working on is a Detroit city mix of all these artists that I have from Thorinetta Davis, Carolyn Streho, The Strange, D.A.L.E., One Below. Like I just have so many, Monica Blair. Like I have so many CDs like the, of people that they don't even probably have their CD anymore. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And then I like to smash things together. I like things that have a flow, but I also like to go from, let's say... Yeah, that's,
0: that's definitely a switch.
1: <laughs> right. But it keeps people moving. Right. Or Pink Floyd to bone thugs. You know what I'm saying?
0: Now, what techniques did you learn early in your career to get you where you are today?
1: The best things that I have learned, I, I'll be honest, are be on time, mm-hmm. which it's taken me a while to really grasp and be that. Be kind- be humble and thoughtful and create shared value because mistakes happen, things happen. But if you are pleasant and and awesome to work with, then all things can be worked out. Mm -hmm. Like making sure that the people that hire me, when I'm putting something together that they never wear egg on their face. Some of these things I've had to learn the hard way, but if I'm asked by somebody to do a thing and that involves me bringing other people into that picture, if there's an implosion, it, the people that hired me can never know.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So again, the skill part of it and the the discipline of doing the thing is never really the hard part. It's never been, it's never been hard for me to dance or make music or be creative and artistic. The real work is making sure that your team is happy and Everybody is on the same page and setting up a rehearsal that six people all have the time to come to. You know what I'm mean? like, or having the conversation about this is this idea and making sure people understand it. Like or promoting the thing.
0: Mm-hmm. All
1: of that is the work.
0: Right. Now what what do you find to be the hardest but most rewarding part about being multidisciplined like you are?
1: Having people not be confused by me Mm -hmm. and, and, and because people want a thing, you know what I'm saying? Like Michael Jackson was a thing and he did his thing. Mm -hmm. Prince was a thing and he did his thing. And then he became a symbol because he didn't want to do that same thing anymore. Right. So having the freedom because I'm not bound to anybody that tells me I'm not under a contract or I'm not, I'm not on a retainer where I have to be a thing. So now I can just be all these things. Well, that's very confusing. And so that seems to be my most challenging thing is reining in and conveying to people something that they can grasp and understand about my art. But it's also the most rewarding because when somebody does get it and come back and say, oh my gosh, this is amazing that you do all these things and that You have all these ideas and it's not scary and I want to be a part of it. That's also, so that's why it's both challenging and rewarding. This is Emily Rogers and you're listening to the Black Queens On Stage Podcast.
0: Now, I want to switch gears a little bit and talk about you being a Black woman in this art space that you're in. Okay. So, as a black woman in an industry where it is white dominated, and with you being as multifaceted as you are, what kind of obstacles or challenges have you faced because you're black and a woman, and how did you overcome them?
1: Wow. So, woman, definitely. Uh, mm-hmm. I actually, as a, as far as race goes, that is, um, I've been, I got it from both sides ever since I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? Like mm-hmm. when I was in elementary school. I went to a predominantly black school and I wasn't solid. And then in middle school, we moved to Canton and I went to a predominantly white school and I was a nigger. So just from an early age, I never fit in anywhere. Mm -hmm. And my mom was very, very keen to tell me as we were watching cartoons, she was very good about pointing out, hey, you're watching this, but there's racism in this. Not all the bad guys in life have brown eyes because in the cartoons, a lot of times that's the case. Watching Bugs Bunny and all that stuff, like this is some racist behavior that's happening here. She pointed that stuff out. And we had these discussions at a very young age. And because I never fit in anywhere but in a, to be honest, in nature was where I, ne- I had never felt like I was a weirdo, was in a patch of nature. I just stopped trying to fit in at some point. Mm-hmm. So and repeatedly throughout my life, there have been obstacles both on both sides as far as race. Like Mm -hmm. I've heard everything from you're pretty for a black girl. What what does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) To, you know, dating a white guy and being shunned and being told like you don't know your own race and what are you doing dating him? You're a strong Mm -hmm. black woman. So it's just like that part has always been a little tricky for me. But in the past 10 years, and especially in this past four years, seeing the how deep the embedded – in my whole life, really, seeing how the system is designed to, to be oppressive, the mm-hmm. people of color and class, <clears throat> whether some of these – yeah, like, especially people of color, but also – People like economic bracket, it plays a very big factor in the system. And I just have seen that the system has been broken for so long that, how do I say this? There need to me, like, until we are ready to have root discussions and make and take responsibility for the systems that are in place and, uh, and the allowance of them. But it's not that I feel one or the other. I just mm-hmm. understand that we are... Like that, that's that the system needs a makeover, a very big makeover or an enema, for God's sakes. And so many Mm -hmm. of, like, from the educational system, our health care system, so much of this, our uh, criminalized criminal system, just so much of it needs our attention as the people instead of it being decided for us. Anyway, that gets away from race. As a woman, I actually have felt it more as a woman. Like, I can't tell you how many times I've said I play bass and the. A dude will just be like, you play bass? If I was a man, you wouldn't say that to me. Right. You know, I actually have started (laughs) quite a few all-female bands Mm -hmm. for that purpose. My first band was called Rib, and I wanted it to be an all-girl band because supposedly we were made from the Rib of Adam. But Mm. I wanted a band that rocked so hard that you didn't say we were cute. Like, if you couldn't see, you'd be like, dang, they rock out. And I'll be honest, Lola Valley was a very awesome statement of that. Mm -hmm. And just in a male, it's a man's world, like the dangling of carrots in front of your face for all the wrong reasons in this industry. Like, oh, you can have this girl if you do this. It's just there's there's countless times where someone's just trying to blow sunshine your way or talk to you or give you some kind of false opportunity based on like if you'll do something sexually like it's just yeah I think that out of all of the persecution that I have witnessed throughout the centuries and the ages like just looking back at history every woman of every culture has been treated like property cattle and -hmm. oppressed
0: yep absolutely now have you ever felt like you had to work twice or three times as hard because you're a woman?
1: Yes and no. Um, Okay. In the beginning, I felt like, yeah, I had to prove myself because I'm a girl and I'm going to show you. And as I realized that it's not my responsibility and I don't have nothing, like, I know who I am. And as I started becoming, studying more spiritually and developing myself spiritually, yeah, no, I don't. Like, that's what I'm saying. Like, at this point in in my existence, those... I see that those things are there and those barriers are there, but I also, I'm not, I'm not in your game or your race. Like, and I don't mean race in the way of color. I mean, race in the way of like, I don't want what you got. Mm -hmm. I am successful now. Like I don't have to define my success by what this American music industry has said. I don't have to define beautiful by being in some stupid shorts and fishnets and heels. Like none of that is who I am. And I'm, comfortable with me Mm -hmm. both in my race in my color in my feminism in my lack of feminism I don't I'm just I have redefined what success looks like for me and my boundaries Mm -hmm. and have found a wholeness in myself that I'm open to suggestions but I'm not swayed by anyone's opinion Mm
0: -hmm. so do you find that you get a lot of great moral support from your family oh yeah about your career
1: yeah I mean Again, (laughs) So my mom, which is, you know, like, I can't tell you how many times she was like, when are you going to stop doing this and get a real job? Well, never,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: never am I going to work in a cubicle for somebody else, for some corporate, I'm never going to do that. So once she Mm -hmm. realized that this is the path for me, that I'm happy doing, navigating my life this way. Yes, she was, she's very, yeah, both of them are very supportive and proud of me.
0: So then describe a moment when you had the opportunity to work with a diverse group of people.
1: Right. I mean, right after high school and college, I mean, to be honest, when my mom left to move up to Traverse City and I moved out of the house and was able to start going where I wanted to, meaning like I could go to studios in Detroit and I I explored everywhere I could. I have always Mm -hmm. wanted to be around. Diverse people. And then my job has led me to things like I get to do bar mitzvahs, I get to do communions and work with Cal- the Chaldean community. Like I can go to, I've gone to like Chaldean parties where I'm the guest and Indian parties. Like I love different cultures. I love music. I, I love learning about the different ways of doing things, the different food, for God's sakes. I've always tried to be around things that, things and people that are outside my comfort zone. Mm-hmm. And one of my first bands was, I think I was the oboe player. It was the first time that I was in a a group, if you will. And I was just the background oboe player. It was like a hip hop group. So in my youth, I had a big mouth. I still do now, I'm just a little more tactful. <laughs> <laughs> and my mom was that kind of fighter and taught me to stand up for oppression mm-hmm. and stand up mm-hmm. for, for wrong and try to bring a light to ignorance. And that's really what I try to do in my art from every Mm -hmm. direction is and the more I study spiritually is to art is a way that music and art brings all kinds of people together in one room. And that has been my favorite thing about music. And Lola Valley was one of the bands that actually we had every race, gender, age group. Economic bracket in the audience of our shows, mm-hmm. like we were really well liked and inclusive, and we had something for everybody. And that's what I think—that's the power of art and music—is it dissolves our differences in in ignorance, and we get to come together under the fact that everyone loves music.
0: Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, how do you keep your mental health in check and keep yourself performance ready?
1: Ooh. I study. Mm. I study. I meditate. I, I mean. And I came to this place a long time ago that I'm not defined by what I do. Mm-hmm. What I do is an extension of what I am, but I have, a, I have a relationship with the creator that extends down to a beautiful relationship with myself. I am rarely ever bored and my real passion and work in life is to grow spiritually. That's, I, I spend more time doing that than anything. I study, I read, I practice eating healthy things. Yeah, I, I, knowledge really, mm-hmm. knowledge of self which then extends out to knowledge of the world. Mm-hmm. And at this point now, I'm not, I can honestly say I'm never nervous about a performance. I understand shit happens. If it does, I'll deal with it, because I've already have dealt with so many things. I've been on stage and so many dumb things have happened. (laughs) at this point, it's just like, oh, now you want to stop bass? Now the batteries want to die right as we're about to start the show? Great! You know what I'm saying? Like, There's just been so many like, oh, we're in an elevator, we're about to start the show. You're telling me that somebody just smashed my bass? In the elevator? Okay, what are we gonna do now? <laughs> There's, I could, I could keep going with story after story. So now like, it's not about me anymore. A performance mm-hmm. is not for me. My fun is in the recording and making the song. By the time mm-hmm. it gets to the performance, it's it's for the, the connection with people right. and giving myself to people and sharing that light together. But like really my main focus and goal again is spiritual evolution.
0: So, what kind of advice do you have for aspiring multidisciplinary artists such as yourself?
1: Take everyone's opinion with a grain of salt. You know, definitely have. I'm not saying don't listen to anyone because there. My elders have shared a bunch of great stories with me and lessons and things that they learned, but I internalize those myself and then from there, navigated my own path. Also remember always that a lot of times as an artist, we want to be accepted and want to fit in and want to always be liked. And that's not always gonna be the case. And when developing something brand new in the world of art, It's kind of like going out into the woods where there's no path. You are chopping down the path and making it as you go. And if you have other people behind you, just make sure you're really communicative if there's gonna be quicksand up front, like let them know, stop. Because you're gonna run into stuff that you didn't expect if you're carving out a path yourself. And it's a little more work than walking on a path that's already made for you, but it's also so rewarding. Mm -hmm. Just remember that there are no rules.
0: Okay. Now, my last question for you, and I call this question the Queen's Request. Okay. Okay, Queen. (laughs) So I would like for you to suggest to me one or two Black Michigan women artists, and it can be in any genre. It can be in music, dance, poetry, burlesque pole dancing whatever that you think we should be keeping an eye out for
1: Hmm. okay that's wonderful I would say wow I have so many do I have to name only three you can name up to three I can name up to three okay I will name (laughs) my good friend and comrade for a lot of years Aisha Ellis on drums um she is not only a fantastic drummer, but she is ridiculously witty and smart about a lot of things in with food, gardening, health, and she is working on bringing all of that together with music um, and working on writing her own series. And I want to mm-hmm. support her in that. So Aisha Ellis on drums, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. There's
1: like Misty Love, Thorneetta Davis, and Sky Covington. Oh yeah.
0: I definitely want to talk to Skye. I've heard about her a long time. Yes.
1: And she has a heart of gold and she's a brilliant artist and very inspirational in both her artistry and in her demeanor and personality. She's very free on stage. You can tell that uh, she was meant to do, she was meant to sing. (laughs) You were Mm -hmm. meant to sing, girl. Um, (laughs) And then there's like uh, the Jessica Caramores who is such an activist and she does so many different things from having her own TV show or I'm sorry, Instagram show. She's a poet. She writes, she publishes young authors. And then there's Blair, Monica Blair. It's fantastic. Yeah. I could really keep going. I should really keep going. There's so many more.
0: Dropping names. Yeah. Go ahead. Now when I say women, I I spell women with an X instead of an E because that's, it's more inclusive. Yeah. It includes cis and trans binary women and non-binary individuals.
1: Let's throw Michi in there. Michi Dival, who is a fantastic seamstress and makes beautiful clothing, as well as can sing, uh, has a amazing, amazing voice and is super creative in that regard. Let's also put in who, uh, Ryan Myers, who does Sidewalk Festival, and is an exquisite dancer, but she curates the Sidewalk Festival. It, I believe that was her brainchild, and she brings acts all from all over together and really is uplifting. Uh, Piper Carter is an amazing activist in the city of Detroit and is always fighting for um, women, women in hip-hop, and as well as I've heard of Piper. African culture and reclaiming and giving a different narrative but not only does she have an amazing narrative but she does the work to actually help other people see a way to change that narrative and and become a, an activist themselves. Madeline yourself,
0: of course, Miss Madeline,
1: but also you.
0: You you named quite a few. Oh, that's great. You know, that's my whole point of this this last question, the Queen's request, because I want it to be where we're constantly giving props to each other as black women within the performing art industry and letting people know that we are out here and that there is no reason for any of these white establishments to not know that we're here.
1: No, there isn't. It's on purpose.
0: Well, I enjoyed this talk with you so much. I, I could seriously just sit and, and just talk with you
1: for like four or five, six hours. Yeah, likewise, honestly, Ashley, you're a wonderful human. <laughs> thank you. so. Let me just <laughs> thank say you. thank you so much <clears throat> for not only inviting me, but for creating this space that illuminates so many different important life experiences and mm-hmm. like over hundreds and hundreds of years. Like at some point, these conversations do need to happen in order for us to unravel the knots of a hundred to a thousand years of an agenda of the pain that we still carry from our ancestors. Yeah. And you're very brave and amazing for creating this space.
0: Thank you. I appreciate that.
1: And allowing I really people do. like me to come on and have a voice mm-hmm because well, you deserve great. it. You deserve it. You deserve it. I deserve we it. We do. We we, we do. deserve this, human rights. You know we deserve human mm-hmm. rights. But to create a space like this and put yourself in this kind of vulnerable place and allow other people to do the same. I mean, it, it is it's very courageous and I'm very grateful.
0: Thank you. Thank you. I'm, I'm glad that I got the chance to uh, to really sit down and talk with you. Like I said, I was just too excited when I found out that you were the basis for both uh, girlfriend and Hedwig at Detroit Public Theater. So I was, I was really glad about that. Well, I super um, look forward to
1: seeing you in your next role when you know if life ever gets back to you know public right. enjoyment <laughs> of theater.
0: Right. Exactly. Now, is there anything else that um that you want to promote, like any social media, a website?
1: Emily on base. You can you can find me everywhere, mostly as Emily on base.
0: Okay. All right. Sound perfect.
1: Instagram. Yeah. And that is where I've kind of pigeonholed myself by calling it Emily on Base because I do a lot of other things, but it was just easy. And no one has that handle.
0: <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, it's unique. So I think it's perfect. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate this talk. Likewise. Thanks for tuning in to today's episode. You can find Black Queens on Stage podcast and Black Literature and Art Queens Network at BlackQueensOnStage.com and BLAQN.org. Follow me on Instagram at BLAQNShowMichigan, on Facebook at BLAQShowMichigan, and on Twitter at BLAQNMI. You can find all this info in the show notes. Please rate the show and leave a review on Apple Podcast or on Podbean to let me know what you think of the show. Thanks again. Until next time.